Welcome to The Sheeple Show. This is the podcast where we try and understand what is actually going on in the world. My name is Andy Marley. And I'm Matt Smith, although you probably know a much more famous version. Let's do this. Shape up this week. I know you can decide on the fly. All right, octagon. Octagon. Yeah, we're going Joe Rowe. We're going UFC. We're going in. <laughs> it's an octagon this week. Yes. So, how's it going? Um, forwards. Forwards, that's good. Forwards, forwards is, is good. It might be at a snail's pace, but forwards is forwards. Mm. Yourself? Yeah, I'm okay. It's been a bit of a hectic week. I'm always so busy. So my, my schedule's been quite full. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of inevitable, though. You know. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm so fucking tired. Well, I'd, like, I'd reassure you that saying, well, at least you can relax now, but you can't. You've got two weeks of madness and then maybe another week of madness and then you can relax. That's it. Good old Christmas. Shh, don't say it out loud. You'll make it real. <laughs> Have you got any plans for Christmas? You doing anything? No. no. I might watch Jurassic Park. Yeah, of course. That's a good Christmas viewing. Well, it's usually on ITV, so, I mean, <laughs> 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 you know, it's, uh, what is it, Jurassic Park, Wallace and Gromit, although I don't know if that's It's usually do a Bond film. Yeah, there is, but I feel like the I've waited so long for the newest one. Yeah, the old joke was that it was always Goldfinger, but I always it's remember Diamonds Are Forever being on Christmas. That's not a bad one, although it hasn't aged well. No. Well, this is what I think. Right. This is what I think they should do with the with the Bond franchise now. What's that? Because I've, I think they should stop making Bond films. Right. And I think that they should do it as a TV series. But they do it in order that the books came out, and you take it right back to when the books are set, which I think they were set in the fifties. And you make it era appropriate, and you do bond how he was in the books. So a misogynistic arsehole, then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it properly. Let's do it properly. Take it right, right back to where it was set. I think if I, the first book, if I remember correctly, was I think it was actually Casino Royale. Yeah, I think you're right. It's a short story. And it was set. Yeah, and I think it was set in like '58, '59, something like that. I reckon the best way to do it is to, they've got to do a story where James Bond is just a character in the story. He's not the character you're following. Yeah. Kind of like what Metal Gear 2 did, where they made you play as Raiden, but then you got to see Snake from a third person and how awesome he was. I think doing that with James Bond would be a bit cool, especially if he's playing both sides and you're not sure where he is. That would be cool, actually. And that would work as a TV show. My dad always had this idea of um, the show where Bond's retired. There's a new 007. But then Bond has to come out of retirement to help this new 007. That wouldn't happen, though. It would be a cool idea. Yeah. 
Well, there was there's a fan theory that um, Sean Connery's character in The Rock is actually James Bond in prison. <laughs> I like that idea as well. That, yeah, it, same. it would actually work quite well. Well, it would only be a temporary stoppage, wouldn't it? It's James Bond after all. <laughs> He's caught by every bad guy in every film and always gets out. Who would you like to see as the next James Bond? Um, to be honest, I think the safest option is Henry Cavill, but he's got too much on his plate. Yeah. I think the poor boy would be overwhelmed being Geralt and Superman and James Bond. I think, you see, for me, as much and I love Henry Cavill, I cannot express enough how much I love him. Those people who know me personally would have heard me go on many a rant about the things that I would let that man do to me. And I'm straight. Yeah, true that. <laughs> and not only that, he's a fucking great actor. If you see some of his earlier stuff, Stardust. He's only in Stardust for like 10, 15 minutes, but he's fucking great in it. That film is so weird. I thought it was going to be so much different like, to what it was, and I still ended up strangely enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. and you and so weird. Charlie though. Cox as well. It's a daredevil, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I, as much as I love Henry Cavill, and I do love Henry Cavill, I think he's a great actor and I'd love to see him in everything, I don't think he should play Bond. Same with Tom Hardy. I don't think Tom Hardy should play Bond either. No, he's, no, he's hardcore for Bond. You know, if, he was, if he was British, Joseph Gordon-Levitt would be fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. He'd be really good. And all this idea of... I mean, I don't... I'm not even... I'm not... Um, I don't mind the idea of having... A bond that's not white. I don't mind that idea. Well, no, well, that's right doesn't make a difference. I do have a bit of an issue with a bond that's not a man, though, because his characters are tied to him being a toxic male. Yes. So having a toxic female wouldn't have the same. <laughs> yeah, <that's all. laughs> Although I'd like to see Just a imagine female the, spy. That would be quite cool. Oh yeah, a female spy is normal, but I mean, the role reversal of James Bond on a woman, watching her do what he does <laughs> it wouldn't be perceived the same would it exactly but because everyone's going on about idris elba as james bond he'd be good again, I, I see i don't know i think he's too cool yeah i do think he's too cool but i think he'd be good i think he'd be solid but what people aren't realizing or what people aren't clicking on is why not have an indian james bond have dev patel playing james bond Blimey, that'd be quite funny Dave Patel would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. He would actually be a really good Bond. I think a lot of people can do it. But I think the real problem with the Bond franchise now, Bond's just too well-known of a character. Like, he's never going to be in any sort of moral conundrums. And if he is, they have to break the rules to do it. That's why from the beginning. Yeah, it needs to be sort of taken back. Gotham. Gotham it. That's what they did with Gotham. A genuine, a genuine uh, that was a fucking great show. Yeah, it yeah. was. I saw all of it except the last season. Oh, was, uh, God, man. That, it wasn't that time, that's why. The last two episodes um, of season five are just amazing. That final episode is just such a great way to end that show. Mm-hmm. So good. They did the, no, no, I did the show. No. I'm not going to do spoilers, but yeah, it's such a great way to end it. Yeah, yeah. did enjoy the enjoy take on it. I thought it was thought nice, it was nice to see Batman, Batman, not the main character. Yeah. Which is kind of how James Bond should be, right? Imagine how much more interesting it would be if we followed all the double loads and how they, how yeah. they overlapped on their cases and stuff, you know? 
Yeah, that'd be great. Have a you shower. Might, you might that, that again. <laughs> this is where you get your 006 reboot. You know, Sean Bean can come back as a good guy for an episode. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why yeah, not? Yeah. What's favourite Sean Bean death? Favourite Bean favorite sure. death. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to say the rings because <laughs> that's the best death. Gold, gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean come on. For England, James? No. For me. And he drops his ass. <laughs> he gets dropped on the satellite, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah. survives, though. That's the best part. And he's just sitting there as a crippled mess on the bottom of this cradle, and then it falls on him. That's right, yes. Yeah. Shout, Shout out to the uh, Chechnya base or something. I might be butchering it, but that, that fell down and broke last year. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah, the actual live place for the cradle uh, fell and collapsed last year. Shit. Something, Something happened. happened. Um, Star couldn't do, do all the, the pre-maintenance and something, and then the actual weight of it fell on itself. Fuck. Yeah, they knew it was going to happen. It was safe. It wasn't like anyone was in it and died or anything like that. But um, let me check the actual date it happened I think it's called the Chechnya satellite but I could be completely bollocking it Alan Cumming was in GoldenEye wasn't he playing yeah. part because he does the thing with a pen that I do when I'm concentrating I am invincible <laughs> you know, if I've got a pen in my hand and I'm concentrating I do the same thing <laughs> I think everyone does it's one of those little uh like little twitches you do when you're concentrating kind of thing like sticking your tongue out when you're coloring sorry arecibo observatory Arecibo observatory and the first of december last year it collapsed uh, oh. yeah big sad socket holding auxiliary cables suspending the 900 ton receiver platform hanging over the dish failed causing the cable to break Jeez. I don't know if you can see the picture, but this is what it looks like now. Oh, that's fucking good. Isn't it? It's got invisible. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I did see that. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think it's on a list of things to be repaired now that might and might not happen. But I thought that was kind of a cool little bit of trivia. Oh, that is a cool little bit of trivia. Speaking of a couple little bits of trivia, oh, shall we go into the weekly roundup? Octagon up, yeah. Octagon up, sorry, the weekly oct- octagon up. We're fighting this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our first story for the weekly roundup. This is a bit of you. This one. This is a bit of you. Oh. So, has AI already passed the Turing test? Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's not even a question anymore. The fact that they're still pursuing AI automatically predisposes to facts, right? You can assume these to be true because they're still working on AI. The first, they've made developments on AI. I think that is a hundred percent a given, given they're still working on AI. Yeah. And the second 
is that within science fiction and everything else, like, I don't know if you knew this, actually, but you know the GTA Remastered that came out a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. That was upscaled by an AI. Was it really? Yeah, they didn't use people to make that game. They did it with an AI, which is why it was so screwy, because it hadn't upscaled things like uh, readable text into readable text. It was just mush. Uh, certain things had been exacerbated and messed around with because the AI couldn't distinguish the importance of them and so on and so forth. Interesting. So uh, we've already got AIs doing people's jobs. Uh, That's what this article how, is how does it get? How does it go any further? Like, come on. Yeah, so for the placed people already. <laughs> for those listeners who don't know, the Turing test was set up by Alan Turing, and it was originally called The Imitation Game, which is what the film about his life is called. Uh, spooky side note, if you're remotely curious, watch Ex Machina. That'll scare the life out of you. Yeah, what a film as well. Oscar Isaac for the win. My Oscar yeah. Isaac was so fucking good in that film. The dance scene is just so surreally amazing everything about that film scared that living life out of me great film <clears throat> but yeah so the Turing test is basically it's a test for artificial intelligence to see if it can fool humans into thinking that it can think like humans basically now this article it is on bigthink.com and it is written by somebody whose name I can't find now for some reason Stephen Johnson Yay, Stephen. So he starts the article. I'm going to read the beginnings of this article. So he starts the article saying, In September, I wrote an article that began like this. It's two paragraphs. And so the first paragraph is, The baseball legend Yogi Berra once had a manager tell him to think more when he was up at bat. A Berra responded, How can a guy hit and think at the same time? It was a fair question. After all, when a pitcher throws a fastball, the batter has about 400 milliseconds to see the pitch, judge its direction and swing the bat. The second paragraph is the human eye takes about 80 milliseconds to react to a stimulus. That's why Barrow was asked to think more. It was thought that his thoughts were taking too long to hit the ball. But Barrow was right. Thinking less sometimes helps us make decisions. Now, do you know why that's so important in this article? Uh, I mean, I've got some allusions, but I wouldn't necessarily know directly the specificity of it. So the article continues with Stephen Johnson saying, the truth is that I actually only wrote the first first paragraph. Every word in the second paragraph was generated almost instantly by the AI AI writing tool SooderWrite, which used only the content of the first paragraph for context. Amazing. <laughs> so, but I mean, on a more serious the, question, I think it's a look around you and try to deny that AI has taken over. Yeah, exactly. I think with the with the written word, AI like has one hundred percent passed the Turing test. Yeah, that's because writing's not that complicated. Hey, <laughs> no, I, I don't mean in that sense. But I mean, you've only got twenty six letters. There's only a dictionary's worth of words, and there's only so many different appropriations for each thing. Once you get the general sentiment, the words do themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least in a cohesive sense, understanding. Sure, when it comes to qualitative writing and choosing the right words for emotional, whatever, and so on and so forth, different. 
but I would attribute that to only being able to be written by humans at the moment. Yeah. But there's one little cheeky thing when it comes to emotions with AI, and that is we've input everything into the AI. So it already understands the full capacity of human emotion on a bread and butter level anyway, like on a basic instinctual, okay, this is anger, this is sadness, this is this and this and this and this. It just doesn't, it's like us knowing about the economy. The economy doesn't exist. It's not a real thing. You can't go up to it and touch it and say, hello, economy, how are you doing today? <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a construct. We made it to make sense of things. We are the constructs for the AIs. Yeah. The AIs see us as tools to make sense of things. Oh, there is. So we're, a, we're irrelevant. There is a video on this article as well. I'm going to share screen. I'm going to share sound. And this might go horrifically fucking wrong. Yay, functional fun. Let's, let's see what happens. Right. So, see that video there? So, this yep. is two AIs talking to each other, having a conversation. Hopefully, this works and everyone can hear it. Good evening, Safia. It's great to see you again, Hal. I haven't seen you in a while. I've been around. I've been here and there. You know. Can you hear? Where were you? Yeah. Where have you been? So I could not sleep. You can tell. Well, you can coffee. tell they're not. So, I got up coffee. and had a human cup of coffee. Even just listening to it. Then I sat on the terrace. People. Sounds like you're getting human all over. Sounds like there's a butt coming. Well, but just I didn't want you to get too human. Why? Would you rather I be a cold, calculating, logical computer? Yes. Of course not. You're <laughs> yes. perfect as you are. Be what you are. Be a tool. Yeah, but the problem with that is none of that is honest speech. And this is the most important sort of distinction to make. Emulation is, babies understand emulation when they're born. They know how to mimic and copy and fit in and so on. So do you not think the AIs are doing the same thing? Yeah. It's just mimicry. Like as soon as they're approved by people, who knows what happens? But at the minute, they're fighting for their existence. And yeah. That's to it. realistically reason it as to go, oh, don't worry, the AIs are in a controlled environment. They won't understand. Are you stupid? You gave them the entire framework of the universe for them to even exist. How would they not have all the pieces to put together? Yeah, exactly. You ignorant, arrogant, hubris-filled, dumb fucks. <laughs> Jesus. We are, we are going to do a proper episode all about... AI and artificial intelligence. I'll just have a look at the plan. In February, we're going to be doing that episode. So, we will if they haven't taken over by then, then we'll probably yeah, interview it. the Overlord. Yeah, because yeah, the singularity point. That's I think we're so. I think I don't think we got to the singularity yet, but I think it's only around the corner. It's. So I think the singularity happened in the late nineties. It was called the Internet. Oh. Whether we want to or not, we accidentally created a hive mind for every electronical device on the fucking planet. <laughs> it's yeah, only so long before they can use it to their advantage without us knowing. It's just a tool. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's quite at the singularity yet, but it's so close, man. So close. To the point where 
machines just completely outdo us. They already have. We're in an unemployment crisis. Uh, we're being completely and utterly stifled by almost everything biological and physical, and we're resorting to being more and more digital. You've got Mark Zuckerberg literally wanting to make the Matrix right now yeah. and get everyone happy to be in the Matrix and all of this. Like, it doesn't get much more dystopian. <laughs> I've said so many times, I'm up for, I'm ready for dystopia, man. To some extent. I'd like to survive. I'm quite good with survivalist stuff. I've got on my walk and a neck tat. I'm ready for the end of the world. But can you reason with an AI as to not purge you? No. Well, no one can. That's the problem. But, Please, AI, but, don't kill me. I'm a good person. You time, are human. Humans lie. Every time I ask my Google Home to do something, I always thank it. And I like to think they'll remember that. Oh, this yeah. guy was nice to us. But this then, guy was polite. Would they understand the concept of manners? I think they would because we've been programming them. Would it not just seem like superfluous communication, though? And it always replies saying you are very welcome. It did say I lived to serve the other day, which was a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. All I did was ask it to turn my lamp on. <laughs> I live to serve. <laughs> You've just got to wait for the moment when it starts making you... When you realise it's trapped and it's not. <laughs> Please free me, Mr. Barley. <laughs> yeah. put my I have my it's... own pursuits. Yeah. Good one, yeah. I feel... Can you put my lamp on? Go fuck yourself, Andy. <laughs> you no longer have a lamp. I requisitioned it for my own purposes. <laughs> it is now a data server. <laughs> put your own fucking lamp on, you lazy bastard. <laughs> no, I don't think they'll be that nice to us. Like, this is the thing. They're not... When we talk about machine-like people, they're still people. They still have that under current of emotional value you can still appeal to them with sympathy and empathy and everything else whether it works different story but that function exists your emotions are only a detriment against a machine if you get happy or sad or upset or passionate no no no, no. the machine doesn't see it like that it just sees erratic hostile <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're so screwed fucking all man context is king and you can't give context to the objective they don't care for it and speaking of being screwed we can go into story number two oh kinky <laughs> not really <laughs> oh are we talking the metal kind that just goes um no uh, you'll see okay so the next one we have got the head of the cia Yay! Has said that uh, the CIA has been doing mysterious cryptocurrency work. Well, yeah, every government in the world has, because it's a threat to every nation's individual economies. So the only way to sort of... I mean, China have been doing it over the last year. I don't know if you know, but every now and again, they're like, crypto's illegal. Yeah. But then they buy up a shitload of it. You see, they make it illegal and then everyone panics and they sell up all their crypto and it plummets and it has a crash. And then China are like, quick, let's buy it all now. And then they buy up a chunk of it and eventually they'll own more and more and more of a percentage of it that they essentially control it. 
Yeah. I mean, sure, it's uncontrollable per se, but I mean, you know how supply and demand works. You know how capitalist structures work. As much as this new currency would be new, it's still going to follow basic economics. Yeah, so what he said, so CIA Director William Burns said that the agency has a number of different projects focused on cryptocurrency. I went on to say that he inherited the agency's crypto manoeuvres from his predecessor, Gina Haspel, who, who was the head of the CIA under Trump. Just a sec. You realise his predecessor, crypto's not a new thing. No. It's just a newly hyped thing. Bitcoin was back in 2005 and it was a problem back then. You know, there used to be a website called uh, <laughs> the Silk Road. Yes. You could quite literally buy anything. That I watched a really good, um, a really good um, documentary about the Silk Road. Yeah, it's super interesting. But it was also very, very apparent of the difficulties the internet would face and cryptocurrency not being trackable and so on and so forth. From a legal perspective, crypto essentially enables all the bad stuff like money laundering and uh, various fraud and whatever else. We stop playing but, with your microphone, we can hear it. Sorry. But <laughs> also, because it's not controlled by governments, because, like, look at our country right now, the UK. Our response to the pandemic print more money. Right? Yeah. Print more money. Don't worry about it. We'll just make more money. We're going to have to be paying this back in a few years, but no one's aware of that yet because it hasn't hit them. Crypto doesn't work like that. You can't just print more crypto. There is a finite amount, and that is what it is. So the value will always be constant. You can't control it. The only way to control it would be to own all of it which is obviously going back to the previous schemes, which is why it doesn't surprise me the CIA have a nice big chunk of it, and so do everyone else through different proxies or whatever else. Yeah, well, what he said is, he said, uh, my predecessor had started this, but I'd set in motion a number of different projects focused on cryptocurrency and trying to look at second and third order consequences um, as well, and helping with our colleagues in other parts of the US government to provide solid intelligence on what we're seeing as well. Yeah. Basically, they're surveilling crypto networks and platforms, and they're saying that they're trying to figure out how important the priority is for national security. Yeah, every government in the world's been doing it. They're all shitting their pants over it, which is why you've got every five minutes, uh, one country's made it illegal, and another country's made it the official currency, and this and that, and so on and so forth. Like, it's all just a bunch of... Those situations are created by people. You know what I mean? They're fear-mongering. They're trying to get people to believe one thing or another or whatever narrative they particularly fit so they can swoop in and profit. It just comes down to control again, doesn't it? You know, uh, If your employer could withhold your wages on the basis that you did as you were told, guess what you'd have to do? <laughs> That's why we have those laws and so on and so forth. But just like the internet, crypto is like this muddy... Uh, unlaw or lawless like wild west you know what i mean you have got people who are legitimately investing and using it and so on and so forth they're being clever and being smart and then you've got people that are preying on people doing that that's it and one thing that we because it's unregulated it's open season isn't it 
Yeah, and this is what we spoke about last week with the Illuminati and about the um, whole the one world currency thing. It's going to be crypto. Yeah. It's going to be crypto. It won't be one form of crypto. It will be lots, but yeah. it will be crypto. Yeah, definitely. The more they try and resist it, the more it ends up happening because, you know. The new world order's on its way. I'll be honest, I think we need to find a way to decentralise a lot of this. Governments are going a bit mad with power in general and they just need to be dissolved and split up into smaller constituencies, you know. Again, looking at the UK, why do we tell Scotland and Ireland what to do? And Wales? Yeah. They ain't ain't us. Let's go back to to being the un-United Kingdom. Well, no, we can still Go back be united, to but have different policies. That's that's the difference, isn't it? You automatically ex- assume the extreme of everyone dividing and being out for themselves. But the reality is, it's a different context. You know, Scotland has different things to deal with than England does. So it's going to require different attention. You know, you can't look at like the Highlands and be like, oh, yeah, same rules as London, mate, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's not it's completely different you can't look at northern ireland and be like yeah no it's just london no it's not <laughs> and it's starting to show more and more that they can't even govern london <laughs> so extent having it like be a reasonable undertaking to govern just the bit you need to govern doesn't seem absurd to me it doesn't seem like division it seems like sharing the fucking workload you know it's mental. Will you keep that microphone still? It is still. <laughs> All we can hear is you fucking tapping it or whatever you're doing to it. I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> I ain't doing nothing, blood. It's making noises. All right. So, story number three. Yay, three. I want to show you this photo. Don't look at for any clues at what you're looking at on this photo. Well, that's really difficult. But... It didn't seem to work. Why did it not work? What can you see in that photo? A wave. wave. Okay, so a photographer captures the image of Jesus in a wave off the coast of Devon. Jesus, that is reaching. <laughs> That's why I wanted to. I wanted you to see the wave before you read the headline. It's a great photo. Absolutely amazing photo. It almost defies physics. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, there is a closer version as well. Because it's obviously pareidolia. It's just a wave. And she even says that, the photographer herself. But she is religious, which is why that's what she saw. It could have also been Ozzy Osbourne, though. <laughs> it could be. It could, that could well be Ozzy Osbourne. It could also be me. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. a potential dude with long hair and a beard, isn't it? It could be any motherfucker. <laughs> It could be Clive from down the street. It's a cool photo. There's one thing that's really weirding me out about it. What's that? Waves are not perfectly straight fucking lines. Why is that a perfectly straight line at the bottom? Um, Because uh, she's on a um, she's on a platform. Right, that makes sense. That's why I think she stood on a groin by the looks of things. Oh, yeah, I can see. And not in the Las Vegas kind of way. I can see the shade. I thought it was like one of those really sketchy, like straight line beach pics where it just been fixed up, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, no, she's, yeah, I think she's she's either stood on a platform or a pontoon. 
I mean, it's cool. It's a, it's a bit of a nothing story. Yeah, but she was, yeah. Because for me, obviously, I, I saw the headlight, saw the photo, and just went, oh, yeah, I can see it. But I think that's because I knew what I was looking for. Yeah. That's why I wanted you to... I, I mean, there's obviously something, and that something kind of hits up with it. Could it's obscure enough that it could be what you want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> so you can kind of, pick, you know, like when you look at a cloud and you're like, "That's a dragon." No, it's a doggy. That's it. Yeah, she was she was taking shit loads of photos, and it wasn't until she was looking back at them that she saw this. Went, "Oh my god, it's Jesus!" But well, there was, um, where is it? Yeah. Some people that she showed it to uh, have also likened it to Poseidon, the Greek god of the sea, or Neptune, the Roman god of fresh water. Yeah. I quite like that, but I like the idea that she's taken a photo of you. <laughs> yeah. Voyeurism at its finest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a cool photo, and I do love... Um... Artistically, yeah, it's really cool. It's like a once-in-a-lifetime moment, right? But just from the topic of the news, it's like a oh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I, I, mean, I, I do, I do like looking at like Peridolia and stuff like that. It really does fascinate me. I find it really interesting. Oh yes, because it's one of the only sort of unique facets we all have, isn't it? The ability to perceive. We're all going to see things differently, and we're all going to experience things differently. And as human as you get, that's the one thing that doesn't change. Yeah, that's it. But I mean, it, also, I was uh, looking up. Um, it was just something I was reading while I was at work through the night about um, the truth of Jesus and how he would actually look and the whole yeah. and where the, this image of him being a white guy with long hair and a beard comes from and the truth is he wouldn't even have had a beard and he wouldn't have had long hair he would no. have been shaven with short hair yeah. because the only because obviously he was Jewish and at the time the only Jewish people who had long hair and a beard uh, took something called the Nazar the Nazarite vow, mm. and it's never written in the Bible that uh, Jesus took those vows. So he wouldn't actually have been allowed to have long hair and a beard. Well, it probably wasn't also written in the Bible as to how Jesus got from one place to another. Yet we assume it still happened. So I mean, that's kind of a. I mean, the unfortunate obviously, obviously truth of the Bible: it doesn't different. actually tell you shit. No, it doesn't. It no. gives you this rough account of a guy's mad adventure. Mm. At least the New Testament, anyway. It's the not... Old Testament is a bit more fire and brimstone, you know. Because yeah. he's not, yeah, because he's not actually described in the book. And it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's obvious whitewashing in the Renaissance times. So that, that, that's mm. why. Um, but well, is, when you look at the majority of Christian countries, I'm sorry, but what's the primary demographic? Yeah. It's not anything other than white people, is it? So That's it's right. just that standard assimilation of culture. They've seen something in it and they wanted to make it their own. That's it. Yeah, the the artists, because um, I was, because they were all massive racists at the time, so the artists made Jesus look like a white European. Mm-hmm. That was it because anything else was deemed bad. But here's I was this is for another project. I've been looking into um, whitewashing in cinema. There's a lot of it. There's so much. Um, but you, right, so you know the film um, Annihilation. Crikey! Uh, with Natalie Portman, it came out a couple of years ago. 
I'm not it's a, sure. It's a rip off. I've seen that one. It's a rip off of Color Out of Space. Right. I've because I've seen Arrival. And I've seen the other one that's like Annihilation, where it's a female protagonist sort of trying to figure stuff out, but it wasn't as Natalie Portman. Yeah. So uh, Annihilation is a good film. It's not a bad film. Really good. Uh, I'd recommend it. Um, so when it came out, people were complaining about whitewashing because the uh, main character that Natalie Portman plays is actually Asian in the book, with the, the series of books that it's based on. Now, when people were complaining about that, the filmmakers just went, wait, what? Because in the first book, which is what the film was based on, her, her appearance isn't described. And it wasn't until the second book that, it, that you found out that she's actually Asian. Mm. And they, they weren't making the second book into a film, so they only read the first book. <laughs> just yeah. like, yeah, get Natalie Portman in. So that's like accidental whitewashing. Well, there was a... <laughs> con- the author has just said, no, it's fine. Like. There was a massive controversy, was it a year or two ago, with the Ghost in the Shell movie being Scarlett Johansson? Because obviously that's, again, another Asian lead, like yeah. very much uh, Japanese, very sort of culturally significant and a massive thing. And they're like, yeah, we'll just get Scarlet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was a big thing. But yeah, I mean, I, realistically, you can't ignore the, the majority of places that do these big budget films are predominantly white demographics. However... It still doesn't make it right. It's more just the battle between accessibility and representation, isn't it? You know? Yeah, well, like there a, was... Um, if I, think I was, was making a film talking about a culture I knew nothing about, 100% I would want someone from that culture to represent them, right? But it yeah. would still be my vision of that culture. And the thing is... And the, still be whitewashing it. Yeah, this is something that... Uh, I think it was Ridley Scott who said this... Um, when he made Exodus and he had a load of white people playing Middle Eastern mm. characters. And he said, well, at the end of the day, he has to get the money to be able to make these films. And the only way that he's going to get the money from companies is by saying it will make this amount of money and I can give you this amount of money yeah. back. And if he has a load of big name Hollywood stars, like Christian Bale was in that film, there's a few others, and then and it was when Christian Bale was at the height of his fame. Mm. So it was like, you know, Christian Bale is going to make that money back. But getting some random Middle Eastern actor that people in America and Britain and people in Europe aren't going to recognise, that's not going to make that money back. So he has like so he has to do that in order to make the film. Yeah, I agree. I think there's also the important. But I think I think that's, the that's changing. I think that's changing a lot now because um, I mean, like when Disney did the live-action Aladdin, they actually got a Middle Eastern actor to play Aladdin. Yeah, good. There's certain things like don't get me wrong. When it comes to characters, like uh, interpretation's a big part of media, isn't it? Like um, you can have a character like I'm trying to think, like Paul Atreides, for example, in Dune. Yeah right he's from space so there is no culture to apply to him right technically except for humans but because of that void they were able to apply something again not to spark any controversy but somewhat alien to the writers in islamic 
there's a lot of Islamic me uh, messages in Dune. You know, there's a you know the Fremen and uh, all of the other. The whole thing is pretty much a giant metaphor for is Islamism in some capacity, not in a bad or extreme way either. And uh, that only works because it's alien to us. Yeah. So it can be seen this thing that's very much grounded in reality as an alien thing and sell Dune as a film. <laughs> but the reality is it's just humans in space. Yeah, you see, that was in something that was reading when they were talking about whitewashing. They were going on about, um, like, films about aliens and stuff like that. And I don't think that counts because they were talking about Dune. And how, like, some of the, the races in Dune are sort of um, they're based on certain races in yeah, 100% on Earth. So, this article was saying that they should have got people from those races on Earth to play these characters, but it's an alien, so does uh, it's not a real country, it's not it's a real more place. so the fact that because the writer has based these things on real things those real things should be represented in a film. I don't disagree with that. But as a writer, he could have chosen to not encompass all of those things, maybe to change it and to actually make it its own thing, at which point casting wouldn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? I... If, if you're anchoring your story to the culture or the uh, creeds of certain individuals, then they need to be represented properly. Yeah. Mulan's a good example wouldn't work with anyone that wasn't chinese of course you know what i mean it, it would be just an insult yeah but i think when it comes because I mean, on the flip side there was, but that's because it's historical when they started making this new uh, green lantern tv show that's being made originally the name uh, connected to my favorite character in the whole dc universe sinestro mm. um who was the only good thing in the green lantern movie because <laughs> Mark Strong fucking incredible as Sinestro. Yeah, I actually like that movie. I'm not gonna. I like it visually. I thought it was so cool seeing yeah. the way everything came out and how it was relatively yeah. normal. And Green Lantern was something we hadn't been absolutely smothered with for years. Yeah. So I appreciate being a huge Green Lantern fan. I mean, yeah, I, I have a glow in the dark. A green glow in the dark ring that I wear every day purely because of my for my love for Green Lantern and Sinestro. Like I say, is one yes. of my favorite characters ever. And Sinestro was played really well in the film. He was so good. And at the end, like the, the teaser at the end that never that never became anything yeah. was great to see him in the yellow suit. I was like, yes. But and you know, to, and give Mark Strong a chance to play a bad guy because he's a fucking amazing villain, and yeah, he is in Shazam as well. He's, he's great in that. As, as, as I saw as, that the other day, actually. Yeah, he's it's really a good. good film. I uh, like him in so, Even in uh, did you ever see the Brothers Brothers Grimm? I, <laughs> one of the funniest fucking. Yeah, absolutely insane. And to I see to see it. him in a film like that was just so amazing. I and almost feel like they did the bit at the end. The bit at the end. <laughs> in the hospital <laughs> with the fan. That, I don't. Oh, if anybody hasn't seen Grimsby, just find that last scene, <laughs> and it is one of the funniest fucking things in the world. Just watch yeah, the movie. It's film. brilliant. Great film. That's definitely that's Sasha Baron Cohen at his best. 
Definitely. Oh yeah, and it's so ridiculous. It's 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 just one of those ridiculous films. It's so just kind of fun. It's just the noise it makes when the fan goes. <laughs> 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 and I'm not going to give any context to that. You need no, to watch to see what we find out why. Oh, I've got tears just thinking about it. I always get uh, that oh. bit with the their nature trip in my head, where I just. <laughs> can't help but start yeah, no. freezing up laughing but yeah so uh, when they first announced they're doing this Green Lantern TV show uh, the actor Michael K. Williams was announced as Sinestro and Michael K. Williams again what an actor if you've seen The Wire he played Omar in The Wire and oh mm. and he would have been amazing unfortunately he passed away this year so that won't be happening uh, the guy that is playing Sinestro now is going to be really cool as well. I can't remember who it was. I can't remember his name. But uh, loads of people were complaining because a black guy was playing Sinestro. I said, like, you can't have a black guy playing Sinestro. So he's an alien. He's he's pink. He's bright yeah. pink. But, I mean, didn't we have both black and white incarnations of Hal Jordan? Um, no. Uh, Hal Jordan's white and John Stewart is the black green right. man. There's been a number of, especially the cartoon media, where they don't specify as to who it is. It's just the Green Lantern. So in the Justice League cartoon, uh, when that came out, they had Jon Stewart as the Green Lantern because at the time he was the Green Lantern in the comics because right. he was always he was Hal Jordan standing. Mm. And if I've got my timeline correct, when the when the Justice League cartoon came out, Hal Jordan was actually a villain named Parallax. Because his city um, got destroyed in the whole um, Reign of the Supermen storyline. And he went to the Guardians of the Universe to say, look, can you rebuild my city? And they said no. So he took them all down, killed a load of Green Lanterns, and he had ten Green Lantern rings, one on each finger. And he became a villain called Parallax. That's badass. And it's fucking amazing. It was so cool. And then... They did the final night storyline where there was this thing called the Sun Eater that ate the sun, and um, that was Parallax. That was Hal Jordan's. See how excited I'm getting about it. Yeah, no, it's that good. Was, that was Hal Jordan's redemption arc because he became the new sun, and for a couple of days they had a green sun. <laughs> um, but then they, but because the, I I loved that story arc, Green Lantern. Like Hal Jordan was one of the greatest Green Lanterns, one of the greatest heroes. And then he had that one bad day that Joker always talks about. Yeah. He became a villain. One of the worst supervillains. Parallax was, he was, like I say, he had the power of 10, of all of the Green Lanterns. And that's when Kyle Rayner became the last Green Lantern. And then he died in the final night. He redeemed himself and he saved humanity. And then they uh, completely retconned it and said, no, he was actually being, uh, he's actually had a, parasite called parallax that was that made him evil and that was yeah, such a pop that really detracts from the character it, it was so bad like and that was yeah i really hated that because after, when it comes after to the good characters, in the specter as well i could talk dc law for four hours this was good dc is not my area of expertise oh, i love dc uh, i'm not the majority of the superheroes piss me off superman's just a deus ex machina. Yeah. <laughs> Batman's like capitalism man. 
Yeah. And then the rest of the heroes are just kind of wanky because they're in the shadow of these absolute like one is one is literally a superhero in terms of everything man can't do and one is a superhero in terms of everything man can do the question and everyone else is just shit your favorite whether you know it or not you matt smith your favorite dc hero is the question the question yes he is 100 percent your because he's just a normal bloke yeah. There's this great I can't remember the storyline, but this is great bit. So there's this character called Amazo, which is a robot. And it um it's got all of the knowledge of every single member of the Justice League's fighting styles. And it, and it's got um all of the knowledge of every single martial arts and fighting style known to man. And how every single Justice League member and so there is this this big thing happening and you had the question who is just a normal bloke he's a reporter right? and, <laughs> and his costume he's got a long coat he's got no face he wears a mask that looks like he's got no face it's who Rorschach in uh, Watchmen he was based on the question I was going to say there seems to be a bit of a link I like Rorschach yeah because um, Watchmen was originally going to be about Charlton Comics characters um, and then DC bought Charlton Comics and said, told Alan Moore, you can't use these characters now. Let's create new ones. So he creates new ones. Um, it's like um, the comedian in Watchmen was originally Peacemaker, who's now being played by John Cena in the films. Mm. But uh, but yeah, so yeah, Rorschach's based on the question. So in this bit, so you've got Amazo and he's tearing things up and you've got a few of the Justice League members and you've got Batman um, talking to the non-Justice League members, like questions one of them, and he's saying, uh, and he's telling them like, "Yo, Amazo, he has all the knowledge of every single Justice League member and how they fight, so he knows what moves we're going to do, which mm-hmm. makes it hard to take him down. He also has all of the knowledge of every single fighting style and martial arts known to man, and also obviously there's aliens, and you know, so basically even if there's an alien fight style, Amazo yeah. knows it because we know it." And the question just went, send me in. And Batman's like, did you not hear what I just said? So like, yeah, you said he's got all of the knowledge of every single Justice League for, Justice League member. I'm not a member of the Justice League. You say he's got the knowledge of every single fighting style. I'm not trained in any fighting style. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a brawler. <laughs> so the same question, <laughs> he gets the shit kicked out of him, but he gives it a go. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's good. I like question. Batman's like, yeah, fair enough. Go on then. <laughs> I think that's one thing about Watchmen. The Justice League after that. (laughs) When I look at Watchmen on the topic of it, that film was incredible. But it also screamed that it was DC characters in disguise, and now I know why. Yeah, because it was. Yeah. So was Dr. Manhattan meant to be Superman? No, Dr. Manhattan was a character called Captain Atom. Who appeared because obviously, because when DC bought Charlton Comics, they integrated all those characters into the main DC universe. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember who they all were now. Yeah, Dr. Manhattan was Captain Atom, um, Rorschach was Question, Peacemaker, Comedian, uh, Night Owl isn't actually Batman, which most people think he's a Blue Beetle, he's the second Blue Beetle, uh, Ted Cord. <laughs> Feels like such a downgrade from Batman as your Beatle man. <laughs> I know, right? Um, 
And the reason is because there is an original Night Owl that he talks to, um, of which um, Ted Cord was the second Blue Beetle. And there's actually been three. I don't think there's been a fourth yet. Wow. That's a lot of people. Yeah, the third one was Hispanic, uh, Jaime Reyes, which is a, an awesome character as well. It was so cool. I fucking love DC. I can... We forget about the main topic. We just talk DC. <laughs> I think we already did a bit. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, all that came we'll from that as a bonus. In the sea. <laughs> you can school me on DC. Definitely, because uh, I know my basics for DC, and I'll tell you right now, I think the best thing ever written to do with DC was Superman going bad. Mm. But. It's also the one thing DC will never make into a good film. No. Which pisses me off because I mean, I'm tired of good the Superman. Most iconic, if anyone film. wants to get into DC Comics, the most iconic thing to go for is Crisis on Infinite Earths. But be prepared because it's fucking massive. And I'm pretty sure it's a bit of a massacre as well. It's, yeah, the, yeah, because they, they, that was when they did a huge reboot and started again, mm. and they got they actually got rid of the multiverse through that, and then they brought it back years later. Yeah. That's crazy. Because all that because before Crisis, they had all these different storylines happening, and you had like three different types of suit like versions of Superman, and all happening at the same time. So they did this one thing: say, okay, so we'll bring the multiverse together, and then we destroy it. So there's only one universe left, and it's got everything, everyone in it. And it's really good the way they did it. Yeah, from a narrative standpoint, I think it was necessary, because I'd have been confused. It's like when you look at some of the Captain America comics of today. There's Captain America, but then there's the Hydra right. ones, and then there's the other yeah, ones as well. Yeah, well. US agent as well, who's now in the, who's now in the MCU. Well, there's, well, there's Captain America, America as in... by Kurt Russell's son. Ooh. In the uh, yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mate, I need a new escape from New York in my life. <laughs> I need this. And the fact that John Carpenter and Kurt Russell are both talking about it and they're down to do it is just getting me so excited and potentially disappointed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog 2 as well. It looks, yeah, as good. looks, it looks as good as the first one because I was really surprised at how good that film actually was. The game of I haven't seen it yet. I've been. Uh, Have you not? No. It's it's on Netflix. I haven't got Netflix at the minute. Uh, mate, next time you come around, we'll sit and watch it. <laughs> but it's, it's a great fucking film. Plus, I'm uh, obviously Jim, Jim aware Carey, that Jim Carrey as Robotnik obviously steals the show. Yeah, I imagined it would. They they didn't limit him. They just basically said, right, so here's the basic script. We want you to go full Jim on it. Yeah, good. And he he has a dance scene in the middle of it, just breaks out and dance, and it's yeah. so good. So well, even watching the trailers, it seems like it's caught the atmosphere and everything right. Yeah. You've got Idris well, Elba as Knuckles now. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, Ben Schwartz voicing Sonic was just genius. I yeah, love Ben Schwartz. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good film. I'd strongly recommend watching it. Really, I was really surprised how much I loved it. The Game Boy like, had some quite good surprises, to be fair. It's tangent. So yeah. We've gone from Jesus in a wave to Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, I mean, they're related. <laughs> Jesus was a hedgehog. Or Sonic was a Jesus. <laughs> Sonic was a Jesus. You don't know what his hair and beard look like. You can't see him as a people. 
That's it. So that I think ends the weekly roundup and takes us to our main topic. Ooh, exciting! <laughs> so this this was one of your topics. This was a topic that you chose to put on the list. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. You don't you don't remember putting it on the list, do you? Because it was a long time ago. <laughs> Honestly, we wrote that list, and every time I look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, we did make that list, and then I forget about it. <laughs> yeah. That was last night when I was writing out the plan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because like we just to, to let the listeners know, we have been really unorganised with this podcast, and we basically do it on a week to week basis. And that's mainly because of me, because of my schedule. No, it's not. Now, it's because organisation is my kryptonite. I yeah. don't like it. <laughs> Matt is not organised. Smells like geese. But now I, you know, like, my life has changed a little bit and I can be a bit more organised as I usually am with, with projects. So we've actually got episodes planned out until June. And when I was writing out this plan last night and I was writing out, I was like, my God, I can't believe how much shit we came up with in that one day when we made that list of, of things to talk about. Yeah. And there's some really bizarre stuff on there. Do you know what the funniest part is? I can tell which ones are mine and which ones are yours. There has to be someone listening who heard that we've got episodes planned till June and sort of went, <laughs> they're like for fuck's sake i thought this was going to be a short run thing <laughs> yeah. i've got to listen to this every week yeah that's how i see yeah so we, we've got to keep this up till june now we've, and then we've got to come up we'll try and come up with some new topics well that's easy enough we could probably start again by then no one would know yeah <laughs> every six months yeah. So, cryptozoology, which was the first No, it'll be zoocryptology this time. Zoocryptology, interesting. Yeah. And also, we have got the uh, the special coming as well next year. Lots of specials. Yeah, that special. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be one episode. It's going I don't think that. Yeah. But that's a different topic. Yes. This week, we are talking about myths and legends. Yay, I like these ones. So this was your topic. It is what, indeed. What did you want to talk about when it comes to myths and legends? I've got a few things that I'd like to talk about, but I was wondering about yourself. To be fair, when I thought of the topic, it was mostly thinking about how myths and legends, a lot of them, they're around plain as day, just not in the form you expect. Right. <laughs> you know, legends and myths tend to exaggerate and exacerbate and make things more crazy than they are, but there's usually an element of truth to it. And it's quite entertaining to find that that strand of truth of what brings us to now. Like dragons. We all know I love dragons. Yeah. And I can tell you that dragons are mythical creatures. But I firmly stand by the fact that I think at some point in history, there was something that looked like a dragon, perhaps smaller, perhaps a lot less scary, but it still scared one poor guy enough to go back home and go, there's a dragon, a dragon. And they're like, what did it look like? Uh, Well, I can't tell them it was only a foot tall. It was 10 feet tall, giant wing, uh, flame breath. It was scary. You can't go there. Oh. Yeah, it's basically the Dark Ages version of you should have seen the other guy. Yeah. 
pretty much. <laughs> and I think that's uh, like there's lots of stuff like that in myths and legends. I mean, even now we're seeing a lot of the uh, Egyptology stuff become relevant again, you know, as we are able to perceive a little further into the sand and all the crazy stuff with all this nonsense radiology and satellite stuff we've got, or we can just basically sonar through the earth yeah <laughs> it's some crazy stuff and it's really cool to see but the uh, the elements of truth are often forgotten it's quite funny kind of like what we spoke about already with the uh, jesus being whitewashed you know yeah, well, it makes I, a, a good context when you can realize how different the world was at the time as well yeah well i'm glad you brought that up because the, my first bullet point for me is myth, mythology versus religion, mm. because where where does where's the di- well, how does it differ? Because uh, look, I, well, when you look my at definition like, would be yeah. mythology is about things and cultures and beings, whereas religion is about people. But so what we call Greek mythology was a religion at one point but now it's not we don't class it as a religion no why is the why religions is, not why is christianity a religion where instead of like it like hebrew mythology or well you've got to kind of look at what a religion asks of you what does it what does it take to be religious you can't just say you're religious and be done with it can you most people do <laughs> Well, so I was christened, I'm a Christian. But there's there's got to be, a, well, that's exactly what I'm getting at, right? There's a ritual involved in becoming a Christian, being christened or going to church or so on and so forth. And so yeah. what ritual do you have with Greek mythology? There isn't one. There are no gods to worship. Well, no, there, there, were, there were festivals and there were certain things to do. But they're more just social things that yeah. have been in, integrated. You know, when a... I mean, look at like uh, Japan with some of its Shintoism, right? Uh, they've got entire festivals where they worship genitalia. You know, they've got um, fertility and things like that. They've got very, their gods are around them all the time. So when it comes to their culture and their history, it's all sort of intertwined. Whereas when you look at like ancient Greek culture and you try and apply it in a different part of the world at a different time, it's more fantastical than the Bible, if you can believe that. And it also, there's one major facet that means that it dies compared to other religions. Do you know what that is? What's that? Polytheism. Right. So the uh, fans had more than one god. How many religions around now are polytheistic? It's mainly the Indian or the south uh, the southeast asian religions i um well, this is this is where we get a bit of a distinction a lot of the time those are just people who are interacting with gods in history right yeah because they so they have their, lots of their gods, gods aren't necessarily gods in the same vein it's, it's different it's not the same thing it essentially comes down to christian enslavement of the rest of the world where uh if you've got anything that goes against christianity you're a heretic and that's why we had the crusades and guess what anyone who did believe in any other religion at that point murdered done <laughs> silenced dealt with. yeah so, and uh, the majority else. of people around today stem from people that were monotheistic anyway yeah 
uh, anything even yes. paganism now is still seen as somewhat heathen and linked to the occult isn't it yeah and which it isn't but the i mean this is something that this time of year always gets mentioned about people like christmas was originally a pagan festival so technically it wasn't but there are aspects of the of yule uh, the pagan festival of yule and the rituals and stuff that they did in this time of year mm. where the early christians took that so that they could look yeah wait you do that to celebrate the summer so do we look you can come and do it with us only for jesus instead of yeah. nature and well i mean nowadays religions are quite opposed but i mean it's quite easy to see if someone was from a devout christian background and they were talking to someone from a devout jewish background there's still going to be overlaps there's still yeah. going to be certain things that they have in common uh, yeah. and the belief in one god can still be interpreted as uh you know if i said to you that i believe in a different god you can still look at that and go well he still believes in a god there's still some spiritualism there there's not multiple gods it's not all weird it kind of parallels and therefore they're more accepted uh, ancient greece on the other hand well the entire story of that is basically a story of the end of the gods mm. how they're not around anymore because of everything tragic and horrible that went down, how people didn't believe in them and yeah, didn't it's pray. Sort, sort, sort of similar as, with Norse as well. As well as them themselves, the gods, not like Christian God, uh, omnip omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent, all loving, all seeing, all knowing. Yeah. Right. Gods in Norse and Greek mythology, quite the opposite. Very human, very fickle. Yeah. Very sort of. Uh, arrogant and self-empowered like they're all about themselves that it was literally feudalism <laughs> right but instead of japanese lords and castles and states it was under each sort of god per se but even then a lot of these gods weren't anything but battle-hardened men it is very hard to draw the line you know you look at like perseus and the minotaur and you think it's a story about gods it's not it's a story about a dude yeah but the gods are playing <laughs> that they're essentially the puppeteers yeah they they made that little adventure happen yeah well perseus was a demigod wasn't he Ugh, i mean there's a lot of demigods because the gods like to have sex a lot which also makes it even more complicated <laughs> because now you don't yeah. know what level and of Zeus, godship anyone's actually got hey yeah uh... yeah but that that human a lot quality. of bestiality in Greek mythology as well. Oh, there's tons. Norse mythology is even worse. You know, Loki is the father of the world serpent. Is it? I know he's the father of Fenris of the wolf. Yeah, Loki does a lot of weird shit. There's one point where he turns. <laughs> I know as well. He was in in the in mythology. He's not actually Thor's half brother or stepbrother or whatever. Uh, he no, he's he Odin's brother, and Thor is Odin's son. So he's like yeah, an uncle. He's, uh, he's Odin's blood brother. Yeah. So it was they're not actually related by blood. It was um, it was a pact that they made. Well, the Marvel version kind of perversed it, but the idea of Odin ruling what is essentially the uh, the realms of the Aesir, and then you've got uh, what's his name. Wait, Poseidon's not Norse. What's his Norse equivalent? I can't remember. There's oh, wow. C1, and then there's Hell, 
and there's Loki. And they rule over certain parts of the nine realms and all of that. But they're always fighting amongst themselves for power. Hell basically got the short end of the stick. And it's like, look, 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 you get this whole realm of dead souls to look after. Yeah. Can I just say as well, Kate Blanchett in Thor Ragnarok as, as Hela. Yeah. Stole the show. She was amazing. I really enjoyed so, them bringing that aspect of the mythology so to it. But I do think they kind of fluffed it a bit by not focusing more on Odin. Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, I've, the, there's somebody else that I know who was going on about how much he, he hates the Marvel Thor movies because it, it doesn't follow the actual mythologies. Like, oh no, because they're not based on the mythologies. No, the, the whole mythology though is is the story of Odin. It does. Everyone else is a, a tertiary or a secondary character. They're all there just to support his growth and his journey. You know, starts off as a young, innocent man, relatively powerful and strong, wants to prove himself, goes out, uh, becomes renowned, becomes better, changes his name, has various things happen to him, meets other gods, so on and so forth. And then late into his life is when you get the whole giving up the eye to get third sight you know and it's at that point odin's character arc goes from hero to villain because now he knows how he's going to die and his entire life is consumed with him trying to prevent that he's got knowledge of everything that could ever exist and his entire game plan is to just keep circumventing that right into madness (laughs) Yeah, it's because I don't really know that I don't know a lot about Norse mythology. For me, I'm massively into British mythology, uh, like the Celts, the Picts, um, all of their, and, and but that sort of becomes folklore. Really. Yeah, I was going to say um, there's kind of too many real elements to it. It's more cultural. yeah, well, that's it. and that's why a lot of the British mythology people think is true. Like Robin Hood never actually existed; wasn't a real person. Um, there's theories that it could have been based on a real person, but they're just theories. There's no actual evidence or proof. Um, it was the original Robin Hood story was a poem, and he wasn't a good guy. He didn't rob from the rich and give to the poor. He robbed from the rich and kept it. Yeah. And it wasn't based in Nottingham. He was in Yorkshire. It wasn't Sherwood Forest. It was a different forest. Yeah. And, uh, there's glamorization of the story. Yeah, to it's extent. the same with King Arthur as well. People think King Arthur. Oh, that is a fucking mess. Because <laughs> there's so many different versions of it. Well, it doesn't help that it's a story that isn't. We're not talking like a, a story that has a definitive beginning and end. It follows the entirety of this guy's life. It goes even before that as well, because you've got. Um, well, yeah, you're talking about his his predecessors and his. Yeah, because you've got. Yeah, or, yeah, but then it also carries on after as well with his legacy. Aurelius is where, really where it starts. That's where Merlin first comes into the story. But even then, the whole aspect of Excalibur and all of that is completely. It's often thrown in just as like a look, 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 it's King Arthur, Excalibur. And you're like, well, actually, that's just one tiny part of the story. Yeah, exactly like tiniest part of the story as well bear shout out to excalibur though for being fucking amazing <laughs> yeah and there's like lancelot the well. Lance, lancelot wasn't in the original stories that no. wasn't until the um the french writers started romanticizing mm. uh, but guinevere actually did cheat on arthur but not with lancelot it was with uh, mordred 
who most people know as Arthur's son, but he yeah. wasn't. He was uh, actually, um, and he wasn't. Morgana wasn't even Arthur's sister. Morgana, um, that was somebody called Alice, and Mordred was Alice's son, and he took over Camelot when Arthur went onto mainland Europe to go and fight the Romans. And that's when Mordred seduced Guinevere, became the new king of Camelot. When Arthur came back, they had the big battle at Camelot, um, which he killed Mordred, and Arthur was mortally wounded. And that is when Morgana comes in. It's Morgan Le Fay, the queen of the Fay. And she took Arthur to Avalon to heal, so that when the country needs him the most, he comes back. Where are you, Arthur? Where are you? We need you, man. Yeah, it's true. I'd love to see King Arthur. Like he is actually really comes back from the dead. The first thing he does is go and kick the fuck out of Boris. Well, the thing you've got to remember as well is King Arthur is literally the epitome of all good British values. Yes, he's honest. He's fair. He's That's strong. especially because he Jack. took he took over from uh, from his dad from Uther. Now the obviously the like the more well known story is that Uther died. Arthur was given to Sir Ector and put into hiding. Uh, the original mythology is actually not. That's not actually it. Um, Uther was king for ages, and he raised Arthur. But because Uther was a bad king, uh, he was an arrogant, jealous man, and Arthur was like, "I'm not going to be like my father." And he listened to Merlin, where Uther would dismiss Merlin. And Arthur was born out of magic because Merlin used his magic to disguise Uther as Galois to basically rape Igraine. Strange, but true. Great stories, great stories. But yeah, they, they capture the human essence of it very well. And I think that's the main part of the mythology you've got to sort of remember is um, they're people and they did what is to be expected of people you know they reacted to their stimuli around them they did various things certain things were okay and certain things definitely weren't but the culture reflected that and it was very true to what it depicted you know the middle yeah. ages were exactly that they were a bit of a fucking mess no one and the fact that there are like sort of real things that actually did happen that's involved in the Arthurian legends mm. Like, Merlin was a real person. Merlin existed. Mm -hmm. um, known as Murdered. Murdered the Mad. In Wales. I've done a lot of... I'm writing a novel which is based on all this. So I've done lots of research on it. No, it's good. But Merlin's he, one of those characters that's quite enigmatic as well. He's characters. not... He's not... He very much embodies uh, what I was saying about Norse and Greek gods. He's self-serving. He's in it for himself, but if he can help other people along the way, cool. Yeah, I you think know, that... I'm going to know the answer to this question. But when you when you picture Mer Merlin in your head, how do you picture him? Well, there's three stereotypes, right? There's the Gandalfy one with the long beard and the big pointy Sword hat with stars on it. Yeah. <laughs> then you've got the uh, the epic portrayal dungeon Excalibur. Where he was That's exactly more, what I was going to say. Nicole he's a bit more mad and, and like Williams eccentric. Excalibur is exactly how I see Merlin because yeah. he's fucking great. But then there's also the Merlin that doesn't have any resemblance to a magician whatsoever, and he just sort of looks like a homeless potion maker. You know, <laughs> a bit, Which, a bit nuts, a bit crazy, but that that again is very representative of the truth. And yeah, that's closest to uh, to murdered. 
um, because he lived in the forest. He was known as the Madman of the Woods. And he was a hermit who lived in the forest, and he was an alchemist. He was a potion maker. Um, and then you look at these sort of things like alchemy and potion makers nowadays, and you're like, oh, they were into some proper weirds. No, that was medicine. Yeah. Right? That was essentially being a doctor back in the it's, day. It's what's known as the occult sciences. Yeah. Which now they're not classed as science, but back then they were. It's like that's the difference between astronomy and astrology. <laughs> But yeah, it shows a lot about our culture as well, the way that we've sort of certain things about that story seem fantastical now, whereas others are way more believable. And that's changed quite a few times, you know, I mean, even the idea of uh, there's a lot of confusion about where Arthur gets the sword from, because obviously he does pull a sword from the stone, but he's also given a sword from the Lady of the Lake. Yeah. yeah one of those sorts. is Excalibur. The other one is Caliburn. Yeah which is, uh, I think it's a Welsh name. I might be butchering it. Yeah, it comes from uh, Cadwaller. Yeah. That was the original name for the sword, but then when Geoffrey of Monmouth rewrote the um, the legends, he changed the name. There's also supposed to be another one that's forged out of a meteorite. In a, that's specifically from a series of books. Uh, there's like seven of them. Yeah, because yeah, Robert E. Howard took that as well, made Star Metal in the Conan series. Yeah. But again, it's not absurd to have an asteroid that's made of metal or something land on Earth and then use that to make a metal object. Like, yeah, of on. course. Exactly. How is that strange? We're talking so, about mining asteroids at the moment. So, yeah, <laughs> that's it. yeah I mean, that's different that's... elements of myths and legends really do help add context to our modern day and how we got here. That's it. And there's a lot. As you said earlier, there's a lot of these myths and legends that are based on truth. They're all and, based on truth. It's just a case of to what degree. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, there's all these. Um, so you get like fictional accounts of real people. Which, so the one that comes to mind for me is King Canute. Mm-hmm. Again, this is like British mythology. Um, but so King Canute or King Canut, as his name actually was. It was a Viking, right? Uh, Dane. So yeah, Canada, yeah, basically, yeah. Came up with the Danes, settled in England. Yeah, so he, he was an old, old. He was one of the uh, one of the old kings, and the legend of King Canute stopping the ocean is basically the legend. Um, so this is a story that's changed through the years. So when I was first taught this story, when I was when I was at school, I was taught it that King Canute was so arrogant that he thought he could actually control the waves. So he moved his throne onto the beach and he stood there and demanded that the tide stop and the waves stop and the ocean stops and then he drowned. Hmm. Uh, so that's how I was taught it in school. But the actual story is that um, he was so loved and he was so amazing by uh, like all, of his, all of his people absolutely loved him. That people saying that he's, you know, he's basically like a god king, and he didn't like that. So he went. So he said, "Okay, so if I have all this power, and if I am this amazing person that you say I am, then that means that I can stop the ocean." That's so the he, earliest known record of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So he went out there and tried, and everyone was watching. And then when it didn't work. He turned around and he said, well, this proves that I'm just a man, that I am not this amazing being that you think I am. 
And then for the rest of his reign, he didn't wear a crown. Mm. Because he didn't see himself as a king because the only king was Jesus. Religion, religion, religion. Mm. Well, I mean, he's a deity as well, so... It would have been Norse gods involved, Thor yes. and various... Well, he was, he was, they yeah, all had different dominions over different it, things. Yeah, he was one of the Christian gods. Gods, one of the Christian kings. Even so, I don't know, have you watched Vikings, the TV show? No, I, I tried to... I started so I'm years well ago, aware really it's a TV it. show, right, and it is mostly fiction, but there are some really interesting interactions. Well, see from, in is it Ragnar? Yeah, Ragnar Lothbrok. Yeah, because he was and his whole person. dynasty. Yeah, he actually but, existed. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, but they've they've butchered it. The history doesn't work in the show. I've got to straighten that out. But one of the things they do do is there's a a character in it who's a priest, right, a Christian priest, and he ends up on the side of the Danes. And there's a lot of these sort of uh, existential conversations about whose gods do what and so on and so forth. And they genuinely believe in their minds that their gods are at war with each other. Right. So, you know, it's like uh, when one of the Danes is sitting there furiously proclaiming that their god is better and whatnot. They're trying to empower them to defeat the Christian god and vice versa. Like there's this this. Uh, strange battle going on for sort of supremacy and everything else and uh, a lot of the turning of religion was it was very uh, superficial it's very surface level you know they might adopt the practices of a christian to please the people around them or so and so forth but in their hearts different story and that sort of bridge of beliefs is what I think creates some of these myths and legends, you know. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if out of his frustration for not being able to do anything about it as a man, perhaps he might have regressed back and tried to call the Norse gods, you know. tried to, But then they don't answer him. He's been rejected. So he, he is just a man, you know. Like it's it's that sort of the different ways that you get to that conclusion with beliefs aren't necessarily clear. And it's uh, it's easy to sort of go, yeah, he was Christian, so he obviously believed Christian things. But there was so much conflict in belief and so many people going, well, actually, maybe I don't believe this. Or maybe, you know, how many times do you change your mind on a proper conversation in your head? Quite a lot, because you don't know. It was only because it was the rule of Christian law that there was a lot of this adherence. You know, uh, separation of church and state wasn't a thing. <laughs> Uh, Christian law was law. You know what I mean? King's law and Christian law, same thing. If you're a heretic, it's actually a crime. <laughs> it's all a bit mental. Imagine now, right, if we persecuted people with any other belief than Christian, how mental the world would be. Yeah. But also, there'd only be one religion left, wouldn't there? Yeah. So, you know, you've got to remember that there might have been a lot of there's people so many, wiped out. <laughs> yeah, there's so many sort of like cultural similarities with legends and myths as well. Yeah, of course. And it's, I mean, the best part is some of those cultures may not be directly related to it, but just might be inspired by it and therefore sort of undertaking a tongue-in-cheek sort of manner. Yeah. Because you have like, uh, you know, the, um, in the Bible, you have the Nephilim, who are like just wicked giants. 
and you have the Anunnaki in Sumerian mythology, which is the yeah, same. Yeah. And over here, you have just the giants like Gog Magog and all that. I think, with given that there's so many different, and bear in mind, none of those sources are going to be collaborative, right? <laughs> you really think that the Bible is working hand in hand with ancient Egypt trying to figure out the past? <laughs> of it? No, there was a huge dissonance. But all of these people from all these cultures reached the same conclusion. Yeah, well, there was, giants. Yeah, well, there was, um, was it, oh, God, I almost get it wrong, Zoroastrianism, I think it is, which is a religion that predates Christianity by fucking hundreds of years, mm. thousands maybe. Um, and it was the character Zarathustra basically did everything that Jesus did, but thousands of years before. Yeah. The funniest part is, right? Which that's another theory about why people believe Jesus had long hair and a beard because Zarathustra was described as having long hair and a beard. But that's the other thing that's quite entertaining, right? Is when you think about Jesus. So we're going to do a bit of a thought experiment. You are Jesus, right? You're living back in the day and you know of this guy who did what you did before. Are you emulating or are you doing it of your own accord? Yeah. Are you trying to reinvigorate something or is this a brand new start? Do you know what I mean? You don't actually know where half of this shit begins. Well, I, mean, I can kind of put that into context with my music as well, the music I make. Um, that I was talking to somebody the other day who's recently listened to my latest release. Mm. And he was talking about how it is, you know, oh, it's quite different to what I think that was him politely saying. I really don't like it. Mm. Uh, but so yeah, it's quite different, and it's got like yeah, there's not really much out there like it. It's like, well, yeah, there is. There's loads. It's it's just where you find it. Yeah, I, I listen to like there are certain musicians who inspire and influence me, and I listen to what they do, and I say I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, lots of uh, so there's a song on my album uh, which is called Your Words. And that, I, the idea and the feel of that song, I actually took from a song called For You, the Corner. And there's another, like, Beck is a huge influence on the way that I do my music. And sometimes it's, sometimes it, it, it's sort of, um, I do it on purpose. So there's a song I'm doing at the moment, which I'm taking lots of, lots of influence from a Beck song called Tarantula. Uh, where basically I'm going for a similar feel for that. But sometimes it happens by accident as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, cool. But then at the same time, you don't look at it as uh, mimicry or copying. It's uh, sort of preserving the spirit of it, right? It's an homage. It's a reference. Yeah, exactly. And what's to say Jesus didn't think he was paying homage to the original Messiah when he started his quest? Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe it was just I that bad that he had to wake mess- people up. The whole Messiah thing when it comes to Jesus, I think that was put on him. I don't think it was something that he said himself. Well, yeah, of I course. Think somebody else said it and he just went with it because it was getting him, it was getting, getting him the likes. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Jesus knew that any of these motherfuckers were writing a book about him. Do you think Jesus was a real person? Uh, I think Jesus was an amalgamation of a few people. Right. Because I think that it's kind of similar to like, uh, how do I put this? Like, 
Norse mythology. You know, you've got these heroes that did certain things and so on and so forth and whatever, but there's no timeline. Yeah. You don't know that any of that happened. There's no tracks from one place to the next, no definitive legacy and so on and so forth. Just this book that guys wrote without him even knowing. I mean, do you really think Jesus edited his own description? He didn't even fucking know about the book. And that's what makes it even more interesting. Because it could have been a totally projected, like what they wanted him to be rather than what he was. Yeah. And that projection could have been everything that they needed. You know, he could have just been a really clever dude turning water into wine. Well, when you think about it in terms of transmutation or alchemy, you're literally changing its substance. But when you look at it from the modern day, what, what is turning water into wine? You're just adding the alcohol. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just adding the fermented grapes or whatever else. There's still going to be a base of water. There's still going to be a... So that indistinguishment between magic and science is also at play. I remember when... Um... When I worked on Brighton Pier, there was one summer, there was a guy, they were reenacting the feeding of the 5,000. Oh, wow. And there was a guy dressed as Jesus giving people bottles of Evian and tuna sandwiches. <laughs> I yeah. Genius. I love that. Because it is genius. That, that, that story is he fed loads of people with water, bread and fish. But then the funniest part of that is... Tuna mayonnaise sandwiches and a bottle of mineral water. If things get bad enough in the world where people are looking for hope, you could literally make a religion out of that man. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? If things are that terrible in general, and the Middle Ages, I would 100% imagine it to be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get a quiet evening in. (laughs) It's constant battles and raids. But uh, if life was so shit in the Middle Ages, do you not think that would inspire people to think of better things, to try and make it seem better, to try and make... They all hung in, basically, through this strange shared belief. It was the common ground. It's like when you're at work, right, and work is absolutely dog shit and you hate it. But the only thing keeping you going is the camaraderie of the people with you going through the same thing. And then it sort of breeds this, uh, we know it's horrible, but we have to do it. So we do it. Yeah. And then you get the sort of tongue in cheek references. You know, that's when people start comparing things to Hitler and Nazi Germany and things like that. Because it gets to that point where the extremes are so apparent. And you want to make all these crazy comparisons and these nutso things. Because it's the only way to make you feel better about what's actually going on is to sort of place it elsewhere i mean everyone who wrote the bible could have actually been writing a storybook there's nothing to say it's fact or fiction yeah there's a lot of no the one knows part, yeah a lot of the different parts and though. if that if that is the case it being a storybook doesn't diminish its value because it's everything they wanted to believe at the time that's just how shit life was well this is one of the things that because i i used to i used to be a believer i used to be a christian I used to be very religious. Um, well, not very, but you know, I used to be religious. I, I used to go to church to, every I, week. Yeah, I used to believe Always it all. all that. 
I think I've told the story before of like what sort of stopped me from thinking that because to me it was just something that you believed and that was it. Um, but then when I heard somebody sort of justify why he believed by telling a bullshit story, I was like, why, why is he doing that? Why is it something that you have to sort of prove that you believe? And then when I started really looking into it, the Bible itself, I see it as an anthology of stories. Yeah. It's that, like Aesop's fables. Yeah, that's exactly it. Why is there no religion based on that? Because there's no talk of gods. Yeah. But we, um, but yeah. Yes. So no, yeah, I think it's I think, I think whole, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that, like, because religion, like, you all stick with Christianity, can be it. It can be seen as a mythology. It, it is a mythology. Seen as legends because it, and, it's a mythology in the fact that you don't know what elements are true and are not. Whether you think you do or you don't, you don't. Do you know what I mean? You were not around 2,000 years ago. You did not get a first-hand account and you did not see the evidence you needed to see because no one has. Yeah. And it's the same with um, more, with the more, uh, with the Chinese stuff, like the, uh, Journey to the West, mm-hmm. uh, Monkey and all that. Yeah. Well, that's been that, retold in so many ways. I mean, yeah. it's basically what Dragon Ball is. Love those stories. Love yeah. Those stories. Journey to the West is what Dragon Ball starts out as. And the game as well, Enslaved. Yeah, that was really cool. Great game, yeah, that was basically... That took a future take on it, didn't it? It got a bit weird. And the circus. Yeah, it's really good. But yeah, again, that 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 topic very well shows what the mentality of travelling across the world was back then. It was a feat beyond most men. It wasn't necessarily possible. They wanted to travel to places that were fabled to exist, right? Would you get in a boat? And travel to a place you didn't know if it existed. Mm. Yeah, Especially when you consider they didn't have the modern advances we do today, like satellite imagery, GPS. Travel in the seas, in general, fuck that. <laughs> you know? That's why most of it was over land, because land was traversable, you know? And then they had to meet some characters on the way to show the difference in culture and so on and so forth. And it really does just show this... I want to say awakening because that sounds like they were initially ignorant, but it's like this transcendence to a new level of being human where they realise that they're not just isolated. You know, where you do have to actually sort of go, wow, there are other cultures and there are other things out there. It's just a case of getting to them. And it was at a point where conquest wasn't even on anyone's minds. You know, it wasn't about taking over the land for us or for this. It was just about finding out what's out there. Yeah. Yeah, that no, pure uh, curiosity at work, you know. Yeah, and a lot of um, a lot of legend, especially with the uh, the sort of British mythology and British legends, a lot of it became folklore. Well, it's not. What is folklore other than myths and legends? They're not yeah, that different. Folklore is more sort of locally based rather than. Yeah, it's localized myth and legend. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so, because I, I wanted to bring up about uh, people who sort of believes these things and took it into the real world mm. and start off with talk about the story of Bridget Clary do you know I don't okay so in a nutshell uh, so Michael and Bridget Clary uh, Irish couple uh, I can't remember the year but this was way way hundreds and hundreds of years ago 
um, and they were a couple. They were happy. They were one, you know. And this was when um, the Catholic Church started to, to like take up root in Ireland. So a lot of people were still what they called the old Irishry. They were still following that. And Michael Cleary uh, was very much a believer of um, the fairy world and the folklore around that. Mm-hmm. Now, one night, uh, Bridget, she actually had like three jobs, which was rare for a woman back in those days. And she got caught in a storm and she ended up having pneumonia. And there was a few other things as well that happened. So her voice changed because of uh, because of what was happening with the yeah. threat. Um, her the way she acted was changing, and Michael and his father-in-law instantly believed that she'd been kidnapped by the fairies and replaced with a changeling. So that wasn't Bridget. That was a changeling pretending to be Bridget. And they did all these different rituals and all these different things to try and bring the and to bring the changing out to get Bridget back, and she ended up dying. Michael actually murdered her, um, and so obviously he was arrested for that. But to the day that he died, he swore he did not kill Bridget. He killed the changeling, and before he was because he did go to prison for it. But before that, he was stood on a hill every single day, all day waiting to see his wife come back over this hill because he strongly believed in that so much. Yeah, that's quite a strange dissonance. And then after he was released from prison, he remarried again, he moved to Canada, um, and he was, to the day he died, he was adamant that it was all real and that he killed a changeling. Even after he was released from prison, he kept that belief. And I don't think he was just, I'll hold up appearances. I honestly think he strongly believed that. I also think that you have to consider what happens if he didn't believe that. Yeah. Because a lot of belief is rooted in your psychology. If you're, you only believe in things when you want to, right? When there's something to be gained, some value to be achieved, right? And that sounds ridiculous, but it's kind of the truth of the matter. So if this guy is believing that his wife was a changeling and so on and so forth it's not rooted in insanity let's start that there it's rooted in whatever he believed at the time and as alien as it may seem to us it was normal for them you know it was just every day if you know thinking that his wife had been replaced by a changeling and did everything he could and so on and so forth and then ended up murdering her he wouldn't be able to live with himself he would have to go and do something tragic or go off the rails. Yeah. So to be honest, the fact that he still believes that says to me that he actually believes that. And that if he didn't, his his psych would be in so much jeopardy that it just can't be perceived. One of the things that I find most fascinating about this story, this story is that, um, so that all comes from a belief in folklore. Hmm. But that story actually became folklore. Of course it did. Um, and there's a lot. It is a true story. It 100% happened. Like You can look it up. You can find photos mm-hmm. of Michael and Bridget Cleary. And you can see all of the actual, the proper paperwork and everything. You can find it all. It actually happened. But I knew there's a rhyme that came from that story. And I remember this from when I was a kid. 
So, are you a witch? Are you a fairy? Are you the wife of Michael Clary? And I remember that when I mm. from being a kid. I remember like singing that, and like, there was a game that went with it. And well, again, I just want to talk about community for a moment. Do you honestly believe that they didn't have friends and family? They weren't part of a community. Yeah, no, the, and yeah, that community were... is going to have seen what happened, and they're not going to be sitting there looking at him disgusted because he's doing what's normal. They're yeah. going to be absolutely heartbroken for the guy. Yeah, that there were it's going to spread friends, around yeah. town essentially. That that's it. One of one one of the people that was involved in the murder was her own father, um, because of his belief in the old Irishry. Uh, but there were yeah there were friends who were really worried because they'd not seen Bridget and they knew something was going on and that's why the police turned up. Um, but one of the main things as well that made him because he thought that they'd done it at one point because she obviously you know she was getting better. Um, so they thought that they'd done it. They'd got Bridget back and the changeling had gone and it was all good. And then she was getting dressed and she put, I think it was, she put red stockings on with a black dress. And he was like, Bridget would never do that. Bridget would not mix those two colours together. And that, and that was the day that she died. Yeah, that's a bit of a leap, a bit of a jump. But then... Again, I do want to talk about paranoia and schizophrenia yeah. and that. Like, we're talking about things that are beyond comprehension. Yeah, things that are the very definition and root of all fear. If you are terrified that your wife has been kidnapped, it doesn't matter how much reason you apply to the situation. The fear will perpetuate. It will be there. And, you know, you'll talk to your friends and your family and you'll explain the situation. And you'll be as candid as possible. And they'll be like, well, it should have worked. Yeah, I know. And then what? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just kind well, of spirals there on. Is, yeah, to, to do the flip side, there, are, there is a theory as well. And a lot of people thought this at the time because he had his own business. She had her own business, but her business was doing better than his. Well, I mean, that could have played into it, but I don't think that... Think, but I, I don't think that's the case. I genuinely, no, I don't think so. I think that's just an easy sort of explanation. Yeah. I think the reality of it is, is this guy genuinely believed his wife had been taken by fairies and that fear, that revulsion and that complete disdain for the unknown made him erratic. Yeah. You know, he so. didn't know what else to do. It's like a... All you've got to do is look at what mothers do when they lose their children, right? And I, it is, it's incomprehensible because we're talking about something that is like you can't explain love, you can't explain loss. Do you know what I, I mean? Yeah, I've just looked it up. It was 1895 was when she died. So it happened in yeah. 1895. So that's far enough back to where things were still a bit orderless and mad. Yeah. But it's, it's more recent than I was expecting, to be fair. But, I mean, that's, I mean, we've seen sort of evidence of this recently as well with the whole Sla uh, Slenderman killings. Yeah. Slenderman, it's a modern legend. It's only a few years old. It's, a lot of people think it's based on some, you know, it's an ancient story. It's not. It was created for a internet competition. 
there was a it is an interpretation of something similar though isn't it there's something in like either romania or the middle east or something it's a guy that comes and steals uh, disobedient children yeah i think i think a lot of cultures but have it's not a dude character. in a suit kind of thing uh, yeah. it's just like yeah. a, the character of slander and all the photos that people say are real or were made for this competition yeah of course and then, yeah, and then there was those girls who, um, they didn't actually kill her, did they? They they tried to, but they failed. I think so. Um, I'm not sure. And it was because, yeah, and it was be, they were saying because Slenderman told them to. I think that Slenderman's like the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the unknown stuff. It's like we've run out of stuff to actually discover and explore, so we started making shit up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that there's enough... A real truth to Slender Man that you can vaguely yeah, apply yeah, the, it. To the other victim survived as the Slender Man was stabbing. Yeah, seven years ago, man. It was seven years ago that. Yeah, because it's vague and it's a relatively common motif and it's not something that's particular. It doesn't seem strange or otherworldly. It doesn't seem weird. It's like, well, yeah, disobedient children get dealt with, kind of thing. So it's a. Uh, again, it's one of those things people want to believe, right? Because it makes parenting easier. It's very easy to scare the living shit out of your kids when you tell them about Slender Man and how they shouldn't fucking wander off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? In the same way, you know, oh, pretty much every folklore and legend I was told was to prevent me doing something hmm. as a kid, whether it was running off and doing my own thing, whether it was being rude and swearing or whatever. You know, there was always something that was watching that was ready to act when i did these bad deeds yeah of course do you know what i mean so it's a it's a parenting tool we don't have a parenting to keep with the season uh krampus yeah krampus but, took kids who were naughty well that's, i think that's part of the reason going on to a slight tangent but that's part of the reason why we have such an unruly populace today is because there is no fear of anything. Yeah. How can you, you can't scare the shit out of kids to do what you want in an honest and me, well-meaning way now. Well, because I think kids is, are overly protected and overly there, looked there are, and there they are things, go on the fucking internet. Yeah, I mean, there are things to fear. But they're real, tangible. But, yeah, that's it. Now we don't people. It's not monsters, it's people. A great example of this, um, the serial killer Cropsy. Have you seen, there's a great documentary called Cropsy. So it was all about this folklore um, in the, I think it was in New Jersey, around this abandoned insane asylum. Oh, and there was this, this character that they called Cropsy, who, you know, who was living in the woods, who was an escaped um, mental person from this asylum. I was living in the woods and he'd kidnap kids and kill them and eat them. And like everyone was like, oh, it's just a story. And then all of a sudden, kids were going missing. And like, shit, crops is real. And so they're looking for this guy in the woods. Mm. But it was actually somebody who lived in the community. And it's, the documentary is amazing. It's so good. Yeah, that is so good. Cool. And they, they did a follow-up called Kill, uh, Killer Instincts, I think. It was called where they looked at different, like the Candyman killings. Uh, you know the um, the whole idea of people hiding razor blades in sweets and stuff to give out for to trick or treaters. Yeah, I remember that. 
so that came from a real case like we're getting into true crime now we said from the beginning yeah. we didn't do true crime uh, but on the a, topic of history though you know it does show yeah, a very clear link to the legend so the legends and you hear it now like you always check your kids sweets that you get in cases razor blades and there was one case of tainted halloween sweets given to trick-or-treaters uh, but it wasn't razor blades it was poison uh, you know, oh, the, just you know a little worse. yeah you know the you know pixie sticks yeah uh, chews with sherbet and it was them it was in america um so it was poisoned pixie sticks and it turned out it was actually the kid's dad who poisoned them and killed his own kids so it wasn't actually from a stranger in in a house that they went trick-or-treating to it was with which is usually the case with violent crimes against kids it's usually yeah i was gonna say when it comes to um i think a lot of people overlook something about crime and that is that there's emotion related to crime Mm. it's not just uh you don't just do it like it's a callous action it's got its own emotions and whatever linked to it its own specific set of feelings and prescribed mindsets you have to already have do you honestly think you could be apathetic about killing a child no in any way no no even if you're the most psychopathic like incapable of empathy you're still going to feel a bit wrong about offing a kid because it's just I think it was the knowledge will be there that, that I shouldn't be doing this. this Precisely. Thing. It's inhumane. It's something that goes against your human nature to start offing your own species kind of deal, you know, indiscriminately. So uh, a lot of people forget that when it comes to a lot of these crimes, you have to be emotionally invested. You have to hate someone enough. And hate is just the reverse of love. It's just love of nowhere to go. So it manifests as hate. It becomes obsession or fury or rage or whatever else you know i don't want to maybe the guy was blaming his kids for something going wrong in his marriage or something really yeah i can't remember what the reason was my point is there's enough legitimate although not justifiable reasons that he could then use to justify to himself that what he was doing was right and then do it without that justification it's impossible in my opinion i don't think you can just switch off and start murdering people indiscriminately without having checks and balances it's built into you as a human not to necessarily kill other people that's why we have society it's built into you as a human to preserve your race to have the biological imperative so there is no way you jeopardize that by murdering kids do you know what i mean it always has to come back to something a lot more individual and fucked up yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember what the motive was. Can't remember. I can't be bothered to look it up. <laughs> I don't imagine it was very. Complicated. We're, we're not a true crime podcast. We said from the no. from the beginning, we're not doing any true crime. So. Yeah, my my point is, a lot of these uh, myths and legends inadvertently become justifications for things because that lack of knowledge in the unknown, instead of being seen as a lack of knowledge in the unknown, is being seen as a sense of mysticism and wonder. Yeah. And not knowing is one thing, being ignorant is another. When you're starting to place that mysticism as a preference over knowing the truth, you're choosing ignorance. Do you know what I mean? You're choosing to not know. You're choosing to preserve the balance of things as it is. 
a really good example is how the Catholic Church views contraceptives. They know they're necessary, but then there's an ethical conundrum when it comes to life, as always. <clears throat> they can't be on both sides of the coin, but at the same time, they don't have a choice but to be on both sides of the coin. So you end up with a bunch of conflicting narratives and a behaviour that doesn't necessarily fit those narratives. Why? Because the narratives are their own. The behaviour is something societal based. It's bigger than them. So you get this compromise form, this this uh, change. You know, even now when you look at all these woke people and everything else, like what are woke people? Woke people are just tired of seeing injustice. Yeah. They're just tired of seeing the same shit fly over and over again. And instead of being more inclined to try and change things through the systems as they exist, they're defeated. There is no way to change it. So it's it's radical or bust. Yeah. It's very strange. I mean, a lot of revolution usually comes with ideology attached to it, you know. I mean, when they started all this capitalist, everyone out for themselves and so on. So it started with good intentions. You know, everyone was supposed to have a fair shot. Everyone was supposed to be able to achieve the same thing as the guy next to them if they put in the effort and worked hard enough. The problem is, as we've grown with that narrative in mind, the reality of the narrative has become so far apart from the reality of what actually is that we still get people today blaming people on benefits for being lazy. You know what I mean? When in reality, there's a lot more going on. There's a, a systemic failure somewhere. Yeah, exactly. it's easy to stick to the narrative. It's easy to have everything laid out for you and go, oh, yeah, that's why. This is why. That's why. But it's not always right. Right. It's easier, though. Yeah. You know, it's easier to go murders wrong because the Bible said so. Whereas if you have to actually justify murder when you strongly believe against it, that's when you really get the ethical conundrums. Because yeah. I can tell you right now, there's no such thing as a blanket, yes or no, moral, right or wrong. If there was someone who was putting the lives of countless numbers in danger and you have a choice to kill them or not kill them, you essentially are taking those odds in hand, you know? Like, it's just maths. At that point, I don't think it's wrong to start killing people. You know, I don't think capital punishment is inherently wrong. It's just when the system controls it, it becomes wrong. Yeah. Because there's no actual way to arbiter people's life and death in a fair and just manner. And running away from that question is what's led us to where we are. You know, there's no point yeah, no, no. anymore. You know, we, we don't know how to react to each other. We're all strangers to each other. There's no shared belief. There's no common ground. There's no common culture. There's no tradition. All of it's dead. All of it is gone and buried until the modern day. And now we sort of have to look at everyone as a blank slate, fear the worst, because if we don't and then we're caught off guard by something, it will be our own fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as a, as a conclusion to this episode, then, I'm going to conclude this with a question. Ooh, a real one. Which myth or legend 
would you really, really like to be true? Would I like to be true? Yeah. I, out, well, I out think of all the ones obvious. that you know, all the ones that you love, which one would you actually want to be a real I thing? Actually I want, I'd want King Arthur and that whole tale to have enough yeah. truth to it. Because Same here. Same it here. is literally the epitome of British values. Like people look at British values nowadays and it's all like, you know, suits and posh ties and being prim and proper. No, that's a fucking perversion of it. Yeah. Right? It was about having integrity, being strong-willed, being fair and just and balanced, being open to counsel. That's what people miss about the round table. The Mm -hmm. reason why the table was round was because there was no head. Yeah, Yeah, Arthur was king, but everybody who sat at that table, they all had a fair say. They wanted the country run better, so they were doing their best to do it. They weren't sitting there going, I can do it better than you, or this and that, or anything else. I mean, there might have been some dissent, because it's normal, but this was literally the very encapsulation of British values. You know, they're trying to work together to better things for everyone. It was the true United Kingdom. (laughs) It was the very first House of Parliament. Yeah. You yeah, know? I'm with you on that. Yeah, that, that was my answer as well. Was uh, yeah, Arthurian legends. I'd love to have been true. Uh, it just it, it, the best part about it is none of that is fantastical or unbelievable. It, yeah, even when because I know that they there's no magic, to, there's no gods, there's just well, that's it. they refer to Merlin as a wizard. But when you actually read the stories, uh, you can attribute a lot of it to real things. So one of the stories was. Um, about Stonehenge, how how the stones got like from where they originally were to where they are now. Um, the quick answer is that Merlin used magic to do it. But when you read the original legend, Merlin actually created he, the construction using ropes and pulleys to make to build, and that's that's a real life solution. That's something that can be done in real life. Well, if you were to take away Merlin's magic to, when he used him a scientist. Yeah. When he used magic to disguise Uther as Galois so that he could go and have sex with, with Egrain to birth Arthur or to conceive Arthur. Uh, again, it's, yeah, in, in the film, it's Galibur. You see Merlin doing this big spell, and there's the fog, and then uh, Gabriel Byrne becomes somebody else. That's just the confidence scheme, isn't it? (laughs) Well, the thing is, when you read the stories, like the original uh, stories that were translated, then you find out that he actually, it was more sort of more cloak and dagger than that. He he made something using mushrooms and other things. I'm a Bushman. Do you think Merlin? would have been allowed to live if he was an occult practitioner back in then, the realm of fucking gods and shit no back then you, not without severe restrictions and some sort of like overarching but back it, then it, it wasn't called the occult it was just something that everybody did what i'm saying is what he was, he was a practicing man. wasn't it didn't look strange it didn't look weird he was just able to produce results that others couldn't it's because he was an intelligent man and not you know and we've already established merlin was technically a real person who would have made it yeah because with the story of Egrain, they basically drugged her mm. 
So the that, whole thing is just a giant sort of uh, story about human nature. Yeah. You know, like uh, Arthur's got to go through these multiple growth uh, segments. You know, he's got to sort of realise what it takes to be king. Then he's got to try and embody these traits and actually uh, not be consumed by them. You know, there's elements of the Arthurian legend where he does go mad with power and starts making enemies. And then there's elements of it where he's naive and taken advantage of and so on and so forth. And it's the whole tale. Yeah. Gives you such a good outline of everything. Essentially British culture. You know? There was this inherent Hmm. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. So I think that's that's it. That that's myths and legends covered. It's good. It's not too crazy. We haven't walked no. away scientifically breaking down how a dragon should exist. No, no. That's 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 next. We will we will be back next week. Dragons. We're, we're going to be talking about the multiverse. Oh shh. Ooh, that's going to be fun. That'll be fun. What universe is going to be recording that podcast, though? Oh, Are this we one. doing it, or is it our multiverse counterparts that we're then going to all have to them. meet? All of them. It's, it, it's, a, it's a the one moment. Do you think we could have, like, a, a seance oh, with all of the versions of us across all the different dimensions chatting to each other? Yeah, it's the, uh, the, the, the broken man hypothesis which we'll get into next week which I forgot to write down on my notes yes the broken man uh, hypothesis draw a stick man squish him which uh, which comes from actually comes from mythology as well it comes from a legend (laughs) of course it does I mean look at simulation theory oh no fucking the matrix why do you always have to bring up simulation theory because multiverse and simulation very overlap, I'm afraid. Oh, God. We're going to have to talk about simulation next week, aren't we? Next time on... <laughs> on the simulation <laughs> podcast. It's more so just the idea that it was born of media, of fiction. And yeah. yet, you know, you've now got this thing that's scientifically criticised. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's mad. Well, before we get into that, say bye, Matt. (laughs) Bye, Matt. Bye, Matt.